Thank you for joining us in Season 2 of the Religion Podcast, where a rabbi and a reverend walk into a podcast and talk real about religion. Joel, shalom and salutations. <laughs> shalom and peace upon you, my brother. Oh, such a, such a pastor. What a mensch. <laughs> oh, how are you? A mensch. Now, you've explained to me that that's not a bad thing, and I have to trust you about that. Or you could trust Google. I mean, you could look it up on Google, but yeah, it is a it is a compliment. No, but don't ever aside, trust Google. I have zero faith <laughs> in Google. What about Wikipedia? It's a little better because it's uh, you know communally edited, but at the same time, any weirdo can go in and temporarily change Wikipedia into something wacky before the community fixes it. So I do have faith in Wikipedia. Ah, to a do, degree. Do you? But do you trust I do. in Wikipedia? Sometimes. And do you believe everything Wikipedia says? We should just end this episode right now. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I just realized, do you have a problem saying ladies and gentlemen? Because I do now. And I realized it as I said it. What is the problem with saying it? Well, because it could possibly assume that everyone is a lady or a, a woman or a man, and that's not necessarily true. Nice. So after our gender and sexuality episodes, you can't even say ladies and gentlemen anymore. Did we talk about mayorisms? Mayorisms? No. Yeah, um, we didn't on our last episode. So I've been. I, it must have come up in a conversation since our last episode. So... I'm surprised you don't know this one. Maybe because it doesn't come from Greek. You only know the Greek stuff. But a some of the Hebrew. Come on, give me <laughs> fair. So I'm looking it up as I define it because I don't want to get it wrong. But as I understand it, a merism is something that takes two things that are sometimes thought of as kind of opposite ends of a spectrum. But there's an assumption that it also includes everything in between. So for an example that happens a lot in the Torah is God created heaven and earth. And that's considered a merism because it's not just meant that God created the heavens and the earth, but everything in between as well. And underneath and beyond. Yes. Okay, so from Wikipedia, merism originally coming from Latin, but there is a Greek, merismos, I probably am butchering that, is a rhetorical device in which a combination of two contrasting parts of the whole refer to the whole. I actually think I got that one right. Nice. I bet there are a lot of Hebrew couplets or doublets that are used in that way. So you say it twice from two different perspectives in order to Ah. emphasize it. Oh, and I got a Wikipedia bonus. The first example they use is, in fact, the heavens and the earth, as I just said, that it does not refer only to the heavens and the earth, but also everything in between. Other famous examples are Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, evening and morning. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of these. Uh, but anyway, uh, yes, I have been thinking about our, our gender discussion, but now I am thinking about faith and the song by George Michael should be playing in the background. I think we're allowed eight seconds legally, Joel, so when you edit this, we'll, we'll see if you do that or not. 
All right, let's get into it. What, first of all, what is, well, no, forget first of all. Let's just get into it. You start. <laughs> Faith. Uh, I don't know if this is as big of a term in Judaism as it is in Christianity, but for heaven's sakes, there are a lot of strains of Christianity where really the belief of Christianity is that a person, an individual, must have faith in Christ for any of it to start working, applying, or mattering. And the kind of the temptation slash threat that some churches put on uh, people is it to get in to the Christian faith itself one must have faith in Jesus. And once you do that, okay, now you're in and you have access and responsibilities to all the benefits and privileges of being one who is uh, a believer in Christ. Now, for me, that is problematic. And it comes from the, the scriptures themselves. But this term faith it is a loaded term in the Christian world, and it's why I wanted to add it to our problematic text list for season two. Yeah, um, and it's interesting. I, I think this episode, this discussion will be interesting because I, I say interesting way too much. That and 100%. I have discovered I say 100% way too often. Like if I agree with you, 100%. My president uh, jobs me about that all the time. He's like, do you agree, Rabbi, 100%? Um, that, anyway, what I was going to say is I think this is one of those cases, which I, I, I like, and I think it's the reason for our podcast, where there are more differences, perhaps, than similarities. You and I, in, in terms of our personal theology, may or may not have similarities, but in terms of the traditional religions themselves, I think they are very different because, for one— as we've talked about, Judaism doesn't even have a concept of faith in a person, let alone a person that became divine, right? Whereas for you, that's Jesus. Certainly faith in God. But to be Jewish, by Jewish law, one does not need faith in God. As a matter of fact, one can actively denounce God, say they don't believe in God, be an atheist, because to be Jewish is simply, and I put simply in quotes, but um, being born to a Jewish mother, halakhically speaking. And, and when I say halakhically speaking, that means according to Jewish law. What we've done in the reform movement is We've also included patrilineal descent. I think we may have chatted about this, whereas if one is born to a Jewish father and not a Jewish mother, and that person is brought up with Judaism to the exclusion of other religions, that person is also Jewish. But there is not a litmus test of faith. And even when one converts to Judaism, um, which here it it's... Uh, you know, it, it, every situation is different because it depends on which rabbi they work with and and the relationship between the rabbi and the convert. But there's not really a test of faith. There's certainly discussions of it. And I mean, how could there not be in terms of discussions of theology and God belief and things like that? But um, 
I'll put it this way. If someone came to me for conversion to Judaism and said that they did not believe in God, that would not be uh, an automatic dismissal for me. Not, not in the slightest. It would certainly be something to discuss and tease apart. Um, but for me, and I may be uh, spoiling the episode in some ways, faith is, a. am much more interested in faith amongst the people and faith in the people than faith in a God or belief in a God, whatever that God may be. Here we go. You're doing it just right. I don't think you're spoiling it at all for me. You are oh, wow. unfolding Say that. it. Say that again. Say that again. <laughs> you're doing it just <laughs> right for me, 100%. Uh, nice, nice. <laughs> what you've just done is you've unpacked this term faith. And unfortunately for a lot of Christianity, faith is very obvious what it means. Now, I don't think it's that obvious um, I do think faith points in some way to what we believe. I do think faith somehow points in some way to uh, how much we trust uh, what is happening and what we are being asked to do and what will happen if we do it. I do think faith is somewhat of the ability to learn something from someone else those in our community or those beyond our community, and to put that into practice ourselves because we have faith that their way of teaching it and their way of embodying it is a better, more holy, more just, more righteous, more godly way to do it. Therefore, my faith enables me and encourages me to do it the way they showed me how as opposed to the way I've always done it or the way others taught me or the way even my own brain prefers to do it. Faith is this beautiful uh, umbrella descriptor for the beliefs that are inside of us, the, the moments and actions of trust that come out of us, the disciplines and practices that we embody. Uh, and I think faith is all of that. So if you told me somebody, eh, they're not really sure what they believe, but boy, their actions sure do look like trust, um, mm. right? The, or their disciplines sure do look faithful to the communal practices. I I could see the, um, the sum under their umbrella of faith as rising, if there's a way to quantify it. I don't know if there is. But uh, as opposed to, well, do they say with their words um, that they believe something, as opposed to do they embody with their actions that they believe it? Fate has to do both somehow. Yeah, and, and I think you're going to agree with me on this one, and I, I'm not trying to disparage Christianity by any means, but I've never really understood the idea, well, I believe in Jesus, therefore I'm good, right? Like I'm good to go. I'm ready. I'm, I'll be admitted to heaven. Nothing else matters. And I'm, of course, um, exaggerating the, the, re I'm simplifying the reality here a little bit, but 
I, I've never really understood that. And part of it, I think, is, of course, my own conception of faith, but also in Juda- Judaism just doesn't work like that. I don't, occasionally, I don't think I don't have um, I don't have that perception of faith. And I have the same problem with Christian perception of faith that you're expressing. So right. uh, that's it's like, uh, but I do. Uh, and here's one example why. There's a story in the New Testament where Jesus is approached by a Roman centurion. In that moment, uh, the Roman centurion says, hey, uh, Jesus, I've got somebody um, who is hurting, a servant of mine. Could you please uh, heal him? And Jesus says, yeah, good idea. Let's go. And the Roman centurion says, no, no, I I know who you are. Um, and I know that you have certain powers, um, that certain forces of nature are under your command, just like soldiers are under my command. And I... I don't think you have to go anywhere to heal my servant. I, based off of who you are, you could do that from here. And and Jesus is amazed, and he he like I always imagine Jesus putting his arm around his shoulder, and turning right. the centurion to the crowd, and saying, "In all of Israel, I have met no one with such faith as this." gentile roman soldier and and his expression there was that faithfulness is not only about the words we say or the religious practices it's actually how much trust and courage we embody in the world with one another towards what we hope is holy and healing and life-giving and this centurion put a ton of trust in what might give life and healing, even though he had none of the religious habits or practices. And Jesus calls that the most faith he's ever seen. So when in modern Christianity, when we talk about a ton of religious practices, oh, I've been baptized, I went, I was um, had my first communion, or and I believed, and I confessed, and I prayed the prayer, whatever. None of that matters as much as, okay, but are you asking and working for healing of others, or are Mm. you just in it for yourself? And if you're just in it for yourself, that is not the faithfulness of Jesus. And Judaism, too, has these stories where so I'll, I'll I'll tell one very very quickly. You know, everyone's at services fervently praying, going through their prayer books. You know, davening is is the word for for saying the Hebrew prayers in the order of whatever service you're at. And there's one person in the back that's kind of mumbling, and I'm paraphrasing the story, but and just kind of mumbling mumbling the Hebrew letters, and everyone kind of looks at him askance as if he's interrupting the service and being rude. And finally, the rabbi stops the service and says something like, you know, this person is the only person that's actually praying Hmm. because 
even though the knowledge isn't there, his heart and his feelings are in the right place, whereas all of you are just doing it by rote and trying to be correct in a, in a very kind of strict interpretation. And, and so I, I think we, too, have those, those stories that, that I look at as pedagogical of, you know, d- d- don't – and you've talked about this with uh, parables of Jesus before uh, in this – in our episodes of, you know – don't don't be so strict about being right because that may not be what God wants after all. <laughs> I, yeah, it reminds me of uh, who was the woman that was praying outside the priest, um, Samuel's mom, right? Ah, yes, yes. She's praying in such a way that the priest perceives her as just drunk or a nuisance. And she challenges him back and says, don't you dare. I am I am laying my heart on the line. I am willing to, to give my firstborn son to God if God could just let him be born healthy. Um, and and her, her faithfulness um, to whatever God's will might be in the universe is perceived by other humans as weird <laughs> or inappropriate yeah. or untimely or uh, rude. But... Faith somehow is not pretty. Faith sometimes is, uh, it wrecks what we prefer in society. And to be faithful often means to be at odds with human society. Right. And we talked about that with reference to the um, prophets, I think, either last episode or a few before, that the prophets kind of bucked the general trends of society, which is exactly why they got in trouble. And I think the same could be true for Jesus, right? or the same is true, rather, for Jesus. So when, is faith, you know, faith is one of those words like love or trust, or that depending on circumstance and how someone means it can mean different things. But, you know, when, when, People say, well, I believe in God, Rabbi. Like that to me is almost a meaningless statement (laughs) because what kind of God do you believe in? What kind of God don't you believe in? And, you know, I I think of the movie Contact sometimes with – you know, Jodie Foster and a young – oh, my gosh, what's his name? (laughs) Matthew McConaughey. Thank you. All right, all right, um, all right. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, date the movie is dated, but still worth watching. I, uh, I watched it fairly recently, where there's this real. She's not picked as the astronaut to go and be the first person to meet with extraterrestrial life it's because she doesn't believe in God, and the movie presents kind of this dynamic between science and religion that I that is still interesting the way the movie does it, but you know one thing that I didn't like about the movie is it just used that alone as a litmus test and not well when you say you don't believe in God what do you mean. And then let's judge that. Let's talk about that. But this simple check mark of, oh, I believe in God, I don't believe in God is, again, I hesitate to say meaningless, but it's it's very shallow for me. Lovely. Yes. Faith is so much more than belief. And belief is just a mental ascription to something that you can't rationalize yet, 
but you're willing to say, yeah, it's, I'm still going to go that way. I can't prove it. I don't understand it. I don't have the logic for it, but I'm going to believe it anyway. And I think a lot of people believe crazy stuff in faith, right? Uh, like vaccines put microchips in us. There are a lot of people who believe that. Oh, God. Or the Holocaust didn't happen. Yes. Right? I mean. Yes. And, they're, and I, I'm, that says something about their faith. Their beliefs say something about their faith, but belief and faith are different. Um, but I think belief point what our beliefs are point to what our faith is or is in. So, like a micro, like a, a trees pointing to the forest kind of thing. Yeah, it's a under the umbrella of faith. Beliefs are under the umbrella of faith, but belief Got does it. not describe faith or equal yes. faith. And I, I would agree with that. Pa- Paul uses Abraham as an example of faith. Uh, so in in Abraham's uh, reckoning with God, God uh, invites Abraham to trust something and to do something, to go and to trust. And Abraham does. And Paul makes the case somewhere in Romans that all right, let's say you you work and you get paid, uh, right? It isn't, it isn't faithful to do the work because you know there is pay. But in Abraham's example, he is invited to work and has to trust the pay will come That's maybe right. someday. And it was Abraham's faithfulness of going with no promise of pay. Well, there was a promise, but he he couldn't know for sure. It, it wasn't the habit in this situation to get paid for the risk of leaving every, everything that you'd ever known. So when Abraham takes that step and goes out in on the, the trek that God gives him, uh, Paul makes the case that that was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness because he acted in faith. And I don't know if y'all, is that how y'all think of Abram, Abraham? Yeah, that's how Judaism thinks of him for sure. Although it's less in the context. Um, well, I have to take that back because I was about to say it. What I was going to say is it's less in the context of God telling him to journey and more in the context of his attempted attempt to sacrifice Isaac, which I was not going to bring up today, but you just asked about it. Okay. <laughs> I want the record to reflect. I guess the record literally does reflect it. Um, but one thing that I have talked about before is what you just said is is the faith of a promise that seems like it's not going to come true. And this is exactly true for Avram. I mean, the, the, when God first appears to him or, you know, get, makes the covenant, God says, I will make your descendants and your children as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands in the sea. And it's not until his 90s that he gives birth or, you know, that he becomes a father. And so talk about a promise unfulfilled. I mean, if, you know, if, my wife can tell you I'm very instant gratification. If she tells me she's going to do something and it's been two hours, I'm going to nag her about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, to wait 90 years and still have faith. I mean, that is kind of the the emblematic approach to faith that I think traditional Judaism espouses with regard to Avram and, of course, later Abraham. 
A lot of times in Christianity, we will put faith beside works as if those two uh, disagree with one another. Yes. But if you really read it carefully, even in that example of Abraham, what, what Paul is trying to say is it wasn't the work of circumcision that made Abraham considered right with God. It wasn't even the work of saying yes to almost sacrificing Isaac that made Abraham right with God. Um, it was the belief slash trust of God's someday promise that inspired Abraham into action. And the fact that Abraham did act on that trust, that is the faith. So when I hear it like that, I can't separate faith from works. Faith has a belief part. Faith has a trust part. And faith has Mm. a therefore action part. And faith has all of that, the belief that becomes a trust, that becomes courageous action. And if it has all of that, then it might be reckoned to Abraham or us as faith. And let me ask you a question. In your conception of faith, of God specifically, is it ever verifiable? So in the in the context of, of Avram, he could see that this promise was not fulfilled yet. And I guess so I guess as I ask that, it's a really two-part question is A, is it verifiable? And B, is the timeline infinite? I mean, is there ever a point where we can say, you know what? God has not, God did not and will not come through on this. Uh, okay, is faith verifiable? Um there may be two aspects in how I do the 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 math, <laughs> the math of faith. Um, if we say faith is zero to a hundred, whatever that is, and zero is absolutely none, and a hundred is perfect faithfulness, um, I don't think that faith can be at a hundred and still be faith. Um, Faith requires some (laughs) kind of belief slash trust slash courageous action into what we don't know or aren't sure about or what makes us afraid. So faith only works where there is some room for unfaith or doubt or fear or the other. Um, And by the way, what you just said is exactly what attracts most people who seek conversion to Judaism. That's one of the first things I usually get from someone who has some knowledge of Judaism and hence why they're, you know, being called to it or feel like they're being called to it uh is this idea of they can question, they can be unsure, things can you know, there's not necessarily a right answer all of the time. Now, some people, that drives them absolutely bonkers. You, they want the right answer. What does God want? I'm going to do it, period. Sure. But that's, that's not Judaism. If you want that, that's not, that's not my brand of Judaism anyway. Well, it's not Jesus's brand of Judaism either, nor is it what we've done to Jesus in building Christianity. Um, right. But... Uh, there are a lot of Christians who bastardize Christianity um, and don't embody it the way Jesus embodied it. Um, 
A lot of people came to Jesus looking for shortcut answers. Hey, what must I do to be faithful? And that's not the exact question, but uh, Jesus' yeah. response is, well, what's written in the law? And the guy goes, oh, and he, he names five of the six um, second tablet commandments. And Jesus goes, very good. Wow, you're doing amazing. Nicely done. Oh, you just forgot one, um, the covet commandment. So why don't you go sell everything and come walk with me some more? And, and in so doing, <laughs> you'll figure it out. And the man goes home sad because he wanted a shortcut answer. Am I good with God? Am I faithful enough? Do, have I done enough? Um, is my faith at sufficient level, right? It, I, know, I don't feel like I could ever get it to 100, but do I have enough to be okay with, with God? And for me, that's the other part of the math. Okay, from zero to 100, if it's ever 100, it's not faith. Faith has to have a doubt in order to exist. Um, what is enough? <laughs> enough is anything more than zero, right? Anything more than zero. Where, where you're willing to take a chance for others, for holiness, for peace, for mercy, for justice, that you aren't sure about. You're willing to give something, sacrifice something, work, bend, uh, step out in order to make the world look more like what God imagines the world could and, and should and will look like. I, I don't measure faith as um, zero or 100 or not enough, finally enough. Um, I don't think we can do 100, and anything more than zero is enough. Got it. I like that. Does that work in Judaism for you? Uh, I think so. I mean, it, you know, Judaism, I think, you know, Jewish scholars and rabbis joke that, you know, Christianity does theology better than Judaism does. And I think that's especially true in more uh, liberal branches of Judaism, for whatever reasons, that we just don't talk about God that often. We talk about the mitzvot. We talk about the Jewish law. And I think anyone listening it was listened to us talk more than a few times. I, I think that that sense should be, um, you know, the, the, you get it to a certain extent. Um, so, yeah, that that does resonate. Um, you know, what one of the things when people do come to me for conversion, and we use conversion a lot because that is someone who chooses a Jewish identity. And so it forces you to think about, well, what does it really mean to be Jewish as opposed to, I was just born into it, therefore I, I, I'm it, right? It, it creates a, a, a forced kind of intentionality behind it, is that when someone converts, yes, they are converting to a faith and to a religion, but they are, I would say, Almost even above that, and perhaps even above that, it's belonging to a people. It's belonging to the Jewish people. And so when I think of the importance of faith, and I'm repeating myself from earlier in the episode, I think about faith of this people or faith to this people that I belong to and that I am committed to and that I have obligations to. Yay. Uh, and 
and that I guess that will stretch what I said earlier. Um, and I maybe I I left it out accidentally, or maybe I left it out because I fell sucker to the Christian potholes. Um, so faith is more than beliefs; it's more than trust; it's it's more than courageous actions. Um, none of that is personal, as in individual. All of that is communal. So that what what we believe is not just accountable to God, but also the community of God in which we practice. How much we trust and where we choose to trust and have courage, we allow the community to guide us and nudge us and correct us and put boundaries on us and push us. And the actual works of faith, the courageous works of faith we do, we don't do them just for our own personal benefit. We do them for the sake of God's wider community into which we are uh, called and placed. And there's something hopefully. about yeah, <laughs> hopefully there's something about faith that has to be communal. So when Christians all the time talk about my personal faith in Jesus, well, okay, fine, but personal faith is like baby infant seed faith, and uh, it's more than zero. Good job, but mature faith. Uh, always is communal faith and doesn't really care about the benefit to me and me alone. It it uh, grows up to care about the wholeness and of all my brothers and sisters and the wider that you can see brother and sister to where it includes neighbor and stranger and enemy and alien when when your faith allows you to see them too as equally brother and sister, then that faith is starting to look more like um, the faithfulness that I hope God is gifting us with and asking of us. Absolutely. Or rather, 100%. <laughs> it can't be 100. <laughs> All right. 99.9 with the asymptote. Nice. There's another term in Christianity that we use right besides faith all the time. Grace. Is grace a word for you? No. No, and there's not there's not really a Hebrew equivalent. I mean there's salvation, but not in the way of Christian salvation. It's little, so when we talk, we talk about kind of being saved from slavery in Egypt for example, but not in terms of a spiritual saving. And I think that my guess is that comes from, you know, original sin and Christian depictions of heaven and hell and that sort of thing that Judaism just doesn't have the framework, that that same framework. Well, in Judaism, does God ever do something for the people they don't deserve? Sure. What is in that the Torah? called? Sure. Yeah. God's steadfast love? Oh, you mean in a good way. Yeah. Chesed, love, compassion, mercy, those things. Sure. When I apply the term grace in the Christian context, I am trying usually not to apply it in the Christian grace definition that you were pointing to, but in the chesed context. That makes sense. As unmerited favor. Yep. That totally makes sense. Well, you deserve favor, Joel. 
<laughs> you know, the, it, the big pothole here for Christians is a lot of people translate that faith is a requirement of Christians. We must have faith in Jesus. But in the Greek, the Greek is almost always pistis Christu, which is faith of Jesus. We must have yeah, said- the faithfulness of Jesus in order to be made right with God. And and if you count that, then you realize I can never have that. I love that so much. So I, partially because I just love how one short two or three letter word makes a huge theological difference. Um, yeah, that's that's quite powerful. If Christ had been in the dative, uh, then it'd be Pistis Christi, and you could put to or by or for or with or in, faith by Christ, faith with Christ, faith in Christ, faith to Christ. You could use any of those prepositions with it, and it'd be fine. In the genitive, man, 99% of the genitives refer to possession. Um, so it's Christ's faith. Anyone that has Christ's faithfulness is made right with God or justified with God. And who has that? Well, we either earn it through our own ability to believe and trust and follow, um, which we can't do, or we are given it by God's grace. Christ's faithfulness is applied to us by God. And that Mm. is how I, as a Christian preacher, embody faith when I preach it. Beautiful. Well, next week, racism and subjugation. Oh, man. Stay tuned. A toughie. We're we're definitely going to be keeping it real if we're talking about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, great talking to you, Joel, as always. And uh, for our listeners, keep it real. Have a great week. And uh, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on the Real Religion Podcast today, where a rabbi and a reverend walk into a podcast and talk real about religion. I'm Reverend Joel Talbert, and on behalf of Rabbi Eric Linder and all the Real Religion fans out there, we thank you for being with us today and invite you to send us any feedback or suggestions or topic ideas to Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep it real.